1 verse 26, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great, and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. I, just want, I can never read this without pausing to think of the day that's coming, friends, when he walks into Jerusalem bodily. <laughs> real deal, real time. And he walks up those steps and he sits on the throne of his father David. It's going to be a great day, amen? And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. If you're in my Bible, that's underlined. I love it when I read about impossible situations and then I read about God. Wow. For with God, nothing. For with God, nothing. For with God, nothing. I want everybody to say nothing. (laughs) It will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Wow. And the angel departed from her. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. Now it happened. When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women and blessed... Is the fruit of your womb. Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Wow, you talk about you talk about a prophetic utterance, friends. That is just that is absolutely stunning when you read this. For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed. For there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. I, 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 I would almost like you to put your name in there. Blessed is Steve who believed. For there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told him from the Lord. That's good stuff. I don't care who you are. That is incredible. Now here comes the meat. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for He has regarded the lowliest state of His maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations 
will call me blessed, for He who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is His name, and His mercy is on those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has shown the strength of His arm, and He has scattered the proud in imagination of their hearts, and has put down the mighty from their thrones, and exalted the lowly. And He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich He sent away empty, and He's helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy, as He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. Would you bow your heads with me before we get into the Word? Father, this morning I release the spirit of the fear of the Lord into my heart. Father, become my fear, become my dread. Let my delight be in you. May I delight myself in the fear of you. Unite my being, unite my heart together in wholeness to fear your name. Oh, Father, I ask that you would come today and make your word real this morning to our hearts. Lord, we come against again this morning the stronghold of lukewarmness, Jesus. We are on a quest, and the quest is to allow our hearts to be set aflame by the fire and the warmth of your word. So, God, I ask that you would come this morning. In the next few moments, you would minister to every heart and every life, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to somebody and say, Jesus is going to really speak to my heart through His Word today. Come on. I want you to go to verse 26. And I, I, I want everybody, as you find verse 26, I want everybody to hear me. December is notoriously, notoriously a month when people are gone a lot and there's a lot of stuff going on. I don't want you, as you're here the next three, four weeks. Now, obviously, when we have our merge service, this place will be filled and packed out. But I don't want you, especially on the north side, to get all worried about attendance. Can you do that? I want you to be worried about one thing. I want you to make sure that you meet with Jesus every time you come to church on Sunday. Can I? Can I you hear? It's more about His presence. The rest He'll fill in as we go, Okay. Luke chapter 1, everybody asks me, well, Pastor, are you okay with the attendance? Frankly, no. But there's something more important than church growth right now. The church in America has has grown. We have mega churches everywhere, but we don't have mega hearts. We don't have mega lifting God up and mega really putting Jesus. We don't have mega priorities. And I think God wants to deal with that. Verse 26, the word now. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God. I I, I got stuck on that word now as I began to deal with the subject of magnify. We are in the the time of year, and those of you who are just, this is our first Christmas together for us on the north side, and uh, you're going to learn a lot about Elizabeth and I and Brian and Jen uh, about Christmas. There's the, the rest of my family is Christmas-aholics. <laughs> about after Thanksgiving, they start the continual drone of Christmas music. 
It does not let up. I've heard, I, I tell you what, see, I'm the guy that's balanced about Christmas. To me, they say, what would you like to do for Christmas? Go to the beach, have pizza, and spend no money. And uh, that, that, how's that sound to some guys in here? All right. See, but you know, the women and the kids are all about Christmas. And now there's a tree growing in my house. You know, it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's a time of year, though, when if you're not careful, it's amazing to me how quickly we get sucked into stuff. And I just want to make sure we keep our heads. For a pastor, this time of year, I call it the, the, the time of the season of disaster. Because December and the first part of January, notoriously, counseling schedules go up, people problems go up. There's just something. And you know why? It's because our priorities and our ideas are, are lukewarm. They're, they're caught up in, in a system that's not good. So as I was reading this, I got to this point. It says now in the sixth month. And it is amazing as you read Luke 1. Luke 1 is probably uh, in the Gospels one of my all-time favorite passages because I love the whole concept here of what God's doing. It starts in Luke 1 with the idea of barrenness. Elizabeth it says she's old in age and cannot have children. Zacharias, her husband, is a priest. He's gone in to worship the Lord. On a, it was his time to do the work in the, in the temple and to take care of the altar and do all the stuff. And he's in there one day and has an experience. Just like some of you do when you have your devotions, hopefully. I'm praying that once in a while you have an experience. And he's in here and he's doing all the right things. And all of a sudden, an angel shows up. He's doing everything. Verse 9, it says, according to the custom of the priesthood, he's going through all the stuff and he's praying. He's burning incense before the Lord. And it says, and the angel of the Lord appeared, verse 11, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. Now, I, I, I don't want to make a big deal about this because this isn't where I'm going and my time's limited. But here's the deal. You want to hear from God, you're only going to hear from God where there's been prayer offered up. Oh, see... The American lukewarm church don't get that. They think they go to church on Sunday and somebody beats the drum fast enough and they get a little something in their heart and they go, Woo, I think I heard from God. No, you want a visitation from God? It'll be in your bedroom, in your prayer closet, wherever it is that you're burning the incense of prayer privately. That's when God will show up. God will only do publicly what He's already done privately. Come to church. I want to worship God. God, now God, you just move on me. And God's going, I, I called you yesterday morning when you got up that little sense that you had to go away and just pray for a minute and you ignored me because you had your favorite TV show on. And now you want me to show up publicly. So here he is. He's burning. He's, he's at the altar of incense. And it's very clear that the angel shows up on the right side of the altar of incense, God always shows up where there's been prayer and lots of it. Do you know that prayer is, doesn't change God? Prayer changes you. 
Prayer does move the hand of God, but the ultimate of prayer is how it changes you. And so here he is, this angel shows up, and the angel says, uh, Zacharias, well, can I just call you Zach for short? <laughs> Zach, how you doing? And you know, we always, we read these things, and we kind of read them with this religious thing going on in our head. Yeah, an angel showed up, and Zacharias said, oh, thou art the angel. That's not really what happened. He about passes out. Whoa! Uh, hello. Hi, Zach. How you doing? I'm an angel. About that time, if an angel shows up tomorrow morning at your house in your prayer time, says, well, good morning, Cameron. I think Cameron will pass out. I mean, he's going to go, what? Poof! You know. That's the biblical norm, by the way, when there's a revelation. John says, and I saw God and I fell as if, it were dead, as if I were dead. So Zacharias is a little bit nervous here. An angel has showed up. And, you know, you've got to understand, if you study the tabernacle and all this stuff in the Bible, it was probably kind of creepy in there. You're all alone and this stuff's burning and you've got the ark and the incense and all this stuff. And, you know, he's doing, boom, boom, hello, how are you doing? Uh, hi, Zach. I come from the presence of the Lord and I've got a word for you. Now, everybody's always into a word from the Lord, but this is one is really from the Lord. You know, your wife, Elizabeth, yeah. You know how you guys always wanted a child and you're, she's barren and uh, now you're old in age? Nine months from now, buddy, you're going to have a son. Uh, now, I know you're an angel, dude. <laughs> you seen that woman? She is old, man, I'm telling you. She got a walker. Have you seen her walker? She's old. And what comes out of Zechariah's mouth is doubt. He just begins to spew doubt all over the place. Isn't it amazing we ask God for things? And because it doesn't show up on our timeline, when God finally does speak and say, by the way, that thing you asked for is coming, we go, it ain't happening. And the Bible says that Elizabeth gets pregnant. Six months later now, an angel is showing up to her cousin Mary. It's amazing to me that while barrenness is being broken, God is up to something. <laughs> He's breaking barrenness. But barren, breaking barrenness is only a setup, friends, for what's really about to take place. It's a forerunner, if I can use that word. It's a forerunner of what God is really going to do. And a lot of people, last Sunday morning, we had a great time in the merge service, and people, you know, people were up front worshiping God, and there was, there was some deliverance happening, there's other things going on. But here's the deal. When God begins to break barrenness, don't stop at the breaking of barrenness on your life. That's just the first level. The next level is God wants to do the impossible. You thought the barrenness was impossible? Wait. Till you see what's coming next. 
And he, and, and, and while all this six months has gone on now, and here's Elizabeth now, six months pregnant, and an angel's going to show up to her teenage cousin by the name of Mary, who's a virgin, and going to drop the bomb on her and says, by the way, you're going to get pregnant. It's amazing how we deal with barrenness, friends, in that we, we, we you, you, you know what, don't confuse the breaking of barrenness as the fulfillment of promise. It, it is just the forerunner of the impossible. We always stop too soon. We get satisfied with God breaking barrenness, but we never get satisfied with the impossible. We're so easily satisfied. Well, that's good, yeah. You know, we, we've gone through this thing in our, in our own family, this whole barrenness issue. And, and, and uh, those of you that don't, have not, don't know, and I know Jen shared this with the church when we, a couple of months back when we were doing contending. But, you know, our daughter and son-in-law went for nine years without having a baby and four or five miscarriages. And it, it was a frightening, frightening time for all of us. But you know what? <clears throat> I'll never forget the day that Ellie was born and I was holding her. And, of course, everybody said she looked like me. And I thought, that means she's a very beautiful child. And, uh, but you know what? There was, there was something, something goes on in your spirit when that happens. You say, okay, that's, this is awesome, God. What you've done is awesome. And the Sunday morning we dedicated that kid to the Lord. We, <coughs> we were still on the south side at the time. And I, it was a party in there. I mean, we just, we, we just partied because for nine years we had, but you know what? Ellie's growing up. God broke the barrenness, but He's setting us up for something better. You hearing me? Now, God's, God, God breaks barrenness. It says here, to take away the reproach. <laughs> And to validate what he's about to do. Did you hear that? He takes away, he'll begin to break barrenness in your life. And here's how it goes. People come up and say, man, Gary, something's going on in you. Dude, you're crying all the time. You're broken. What's going on? Well, God God is breaking barrenness in the life. But it's not so Gary can go, well, I've got to tell you, I'm doing devotions four hours a day. Doing my spiritual chin-ups. Prayed for six people this week. Two of them got healed. Three died, but hey, don't worry. And, uh, you know, what's going on is the more brokenness and the more barrenness God takes out, off of you, He's validating what He's going to do in the future, not what He's doing right now. Because you come busting right out of your barrenness and, and, and things start happening. It's the old, it's the old thing of, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Gary? I don't know. But then we begin to watch God break that barrenness off. And there's a change and there's, a, there's, a, there's an adjustment going on. And pretty soon, words start coming out of Gary's mouth where he says, you know what? I think God's big enough. I think God's great enough. I think God, because God broke the barrenness off of me and He sets him up for the next level of the impossible. Too many times we stop at the breaking of barrenness and don't push forward into the birth of the impossible. Now, I want to touch very briefly on Zachariah's condition because it does deal with our worship. We're worshiping, we're praying, 
God shows up, begins to lift barrenness. And most of the time at the point of God lifting the barrenness as he's in the process of that, because God shows up, when God shows up to Zacharias and says, Elizabeth's going to have a kid. Zacharias, who's been praying for this to happen and the barrenness is being broken, he begins to explain to God why God can't do it. Do you ever wonder about your prayer life? Okay, God, we really need a miracle. And by the way, I don't think you can do it, but we really need a miracle. Why are you asking him if you don't believe he can do it in the first place? He said, well, I would never pray like that. Oh, hang on. You'll see yourself in Zacharias more often than not. Why he didn't, why isn't the promises fulfilled? We tell God why it can't be done and, and why He can't do it. And sometimes, now listen, listen, I want everybody, because I felt this very strongly last Sunday at our merge. There is a cap right now. Now, I want Northside, this is for you. This Southside this morning, I'm going to approach this a lot differently. A little more with cleats over there, because that's the only way they understand. But with you, I want to just talk directly into your heart. There's a cap right now on your worship. It's starting to break, but there's been a lid. You know why? One of the reasons is this. After everything that's happened to you, there's something that has settled in your spirit that says this is as far as we can get. And I'm asking God in the next few months to infuse into you that as He breaks off the barrenness in your individual lives, you'll begin to see with eyes full of possibilities that Jesus really is who He says He is and He can do an impossible work in this situation. You hearing me? I, I, I think in your worship, There's been a cap on the worship. And part of it is, you come forward, you want prayer, you lift your hands, you start to worship. Some of you go, wow, too many new songs, too many old songs. Forget the songs for a moment. Focus on Jesus. By the way, I do have to share this so that every, you know, the elders said, you better put this in, so I'm putting it in. There's two things, and we don't talk about this much because this is leadership issues, but, the, you know, Southside's been with us a long, long time, so they understand this, so I want you to get this so you understand. Everybody say, I'm going to understand right now. I'm going to have a revelation. Here's a revelation. There's two things that are non-negotiable to this pastor. One is what I preach. Nobody tells me. Except Jesus. I don't get a form in the mail. And I don't take suggestions. There's no suggestion box in back that says, please preach this. Second thing that's non-negotiable is worship in the style of worship that we do. I don't ask permission. We don't. We just don't. You know why? If it's not flowing out of the pastor's heart, it's not going to flow. Even if the pastor's not a musician, worship still flows from the pastor's heart. Worship is something you pastor, not something you do. You hear me? And so, some of you got this lid on you and you don't know, you know, I want to worship, I want to, but you know, I just, I just feel constrained. That's because in your worship times, God started to move the last six weeks. There's been a stirring in this place. I don't know if you're aware of it, but God's up to something on both sides of the river right now in our church. And Merge Sundays have gotten a little crazy because when we come together, that's when we begin to lift each other up. But there's that lid. Why is that lid? Because God is wanting you to... He's silenced some of you 
O Zechariah, because you poisoned the well with all the stuff that you said God could not do in this situation. Well, God's blowing out the poison right now through some good worship and through us seeing the Word and seeing Jesus. And the day's going to come when your lips that declared God couldn't do it, you're going to magnify the Lord. And you're going to rejoice in God your Savior. You're going to say, you know what? He's big enough to do it. See, and, and we'll, we'll point this out in a minute. You ready? Okay, now... Go to, go to, I hate time constraints, but it's good that I have them. Uh, go to verse 46. My soul magnifies the Lord. I'm always intrigued by words. The word soul here, as always when we teach on this, your soul is made up of three parts. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. Now, this is real important because this teenage girl has just been told by the way, you're going to get pregnant, you're going to remain a virgin, uh, and she's going, uh, excuse me, I went to that class <laughs> in PE, and that's not how it works, God. God says, listen, that, don't you worry, the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you, and that being that you conceive in you is going to be the Son of God. And I'm doing it because you've found grace in my eyes. I'm, you see, highly favored, when he says you're highly favored, that, that word highly favored is the word charis. You know, it speaks to grace. He says, listen, there's some grace going on in your life, in the life of Israel, and I'm going to fulfill what I prophesied through the mouth of my servant Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 14, that a virgin shall conceive. So he says, listen, now, now Mary, you're going to have this, this baby and it's going to be the Son of God. And, and, uh, and, and, and Mary legitimately asked this question. Excuse me, Mr. Angel Gabriel, sir. Uh, besides the fact that I'm freaked out that you're standing here and I'm talking to you, uh, let me ask you a question. How can this be? The angel says, listen. This is how it's going to happen. And remember this, Mary, with God, all things are possible. And I love Mary because Mary gets her soul now involved, not just her spirit, but she gets her mind, her will, and her emotions involved when she looks back at the angel and she says these words, be it unto me according to your word. When you start saying to God, Lord, let it happen to me according to your word. You're headed straight for a miracle. Good. And she says, let it be to me. So then she gets all excited. She meets up with Elizabeth. The baby in Elizabeth's womb freaks out. And, you know, the Bible says that John, who was in her womb, was filled with the Holy Spirit before. That's a kid of destiny. Let me tell you something. So she begins. I love this because I, I have been in situations... And, uh, in fact, the other day I tried it out. I'm not going to do it on you today. But if you want great worship, take this, go to a place where nobody can hear you, and start singing it back to the Lord. My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit does rejoice in God my Savior. You see, what had to happen for Mary is that her mind had to be... Mary wasn't being stupid. 
She wasn't going, okay, whatever you say, God, it's good enough for me. She's asking questions. Her mind was involved. Now, here's the thing. You can never make right choices unless unless your mind is involved. That's what some of you are busting, up, busting down in worship because you come in and you want it to be an emotional thing. And God says, listen, I love emotions, but I'm more than emotions. I want you to choose voluntarily to choose to love me. I don't want to have to work you up emotionally all the time. God says, listen, I want you to come in with your mind having already decided. I've put my mind on you. I've studied you. I've looked at you. And you know what? I'm choosing you. And wow, what a choice. My soul magnifies the Lord. What does that mean? The word magnify means to enlarge, to make big, to to enhance, to bring up close. See, we all want this. We, We are in a culture now. It just is amazing to me. It is amazing to me how everything in the culture pushes on your emotions. Face it. Some of you in this room have watched some of the advertisements on TV during this time of year, the Christmas ads, where Boy Wonder is coming home and he's going to make it there and you feel a little, he's coming home for Christmas. I'm going, oh. You know, and all my, i got three daughters and a wife. And all of them, you know, my son-in-laws just think, they, they accuse me of not correcting these women because they'll all get, oh, let's watch, let's watch It's a Wonderful Life. <sighs> You know, and I'm gagging through the whole thing. I'm, I, I'm thinking in that, if you ever watch that movie, I'm thinking, Jimmy Stewart, the, you know, the character he plays, he's stupid. Because <laughs> I'd leave the town. I don't care. I'd leave. <laughs> I have no heart. <laughs> and here are the girls. <laughs> and I'm going, I don't get it. I don't. But see, the whole culture is geared toward getting your emotions involved. And God says there's nothing wrong with that. He created the emotions. But do you imagine how powerful the emotions can be if your mind and your will get involved too? God did give you a brain, church. And I just really think the church needs to get back into the Word and use their brain, make the choices of voluntary love to God. And you know what? Watch how God starts courting you. There has got to be. So she says, listen, my soul magnifies the Lord. My my mind, my will, my emotion is going to make God bigger than what He is. Not bigger than what he is, but bigger than what he is to me right now. Now, we have allowed our mind, when we have allowed our mind to be infiltrated with his purpose, we'll choose him. And as we choose him, we begin to respond emotionally to him. So my, my soul magnifies the Lord. It means I began to make God bigger, now hear me, than my circumstance. (laughs) Some of you need to have a God that's bigger than your checkbook. (laughs) No, you're not getting it. Some of you actually think, some of you have actually muttered these words, and and I know there's people that are not here, they're going to listen by, by webcast today, but here's the deal. Some of you have made your finances so huge 
that God's not bigger than your finances. And those finances control you. Some of you, I've got people that we're dealing with right now that the, the sin issue in their life is bigger than the cross. They can't find forgiveness in their life because they say, oh, I've done such horrible things and I'm pleading with them. Let me t- I plead with them these words. Listen, the cross is bigger than any sin you can commit. But see, the devil wants to get that in your brain, that God's not as big as His Word says He is. That's why you got to engage your mind. you got to read the Word. you got to get in the Word. Psalm 34 should be a song to you. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us rejoice together. I sought the Lord and He heard me and He delivered me from all my fear. You know, there needs to be a building up of God in our mind. Because I'm going to tell you something. Elizabeth and I, we, we, we will go along pretty good. Things will be popping and happening. We can always tell when God's about to move in a big way. You know why? Circumstances in our life go sideways. And if it's not church things, when you have children, it can always take a left turn there. How I many of you know what I mean? When you have grandchildren, when you have, you know, we we not only have this church and the south side, we have a little church that we're part of back in in Kansas City that, man, God's starting to stir our pastor back there. Pray for Pastor Asa because God, I drug him him to the prayer room in in Kansas City and he just stood there and he was weeping. And, and of course, I got some people there. Pray for him. That guy needs prayer. And so they're over there praying for him, and he we we threw him in the back of the car and drove him home, and he's 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 doing fine. But here's the deal: so we got all these things that can go sideways, and we have I still have a uh, you know my I have to have a mother that that she lives a ways away, but we in my my mother-in-law we have to take care of her, and, and let me tell you something: if you have a mother-in-law, things go sideways in a heartbeat. And I, how many of you know things can circumstances can get big quick. But see, God doesn't change. He's immense. The earth is just His footstool. The heavens is His throne. And yet we take our issues and we condense God down to where that we say to ourselves, we're never going to get through this. And God's going, what do you mean? With me, all things are possible. Good. Now, check this out. And we're going to be done for this morning. She says, my soul, my mind, my will, and emotions make God bigger. They magnify. And here's the result. My spirit rejoices. I want to ask you something. Is your spirit impoverished? Do you have poverty of spirit? You know, Proverbs was re- is real clear. Proverbs chapter 15, 4. Uh, everybody go there. I want you to see this. Do you realize how much the Scripture talks about your spirit? Your sp- you know, you're made up of three parts, body, soul, and spirit. And uh, nothing can get to your spirit, now hear me, until it, it, it comes through the filter of the soul, your mind, your will, and emotions. God doesn't, that's why God wants your mind. He says in Colossians 3, He says, set your mind on things above, not on things. Why? Because He's wanting to get to your spirit. Because your spirit, ultimately, is what's going to control the destiny of your life. 
Now, now listen to this. You see, it says, Proverbs 15:4, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Is your spirit impoverished? Is your spirit broken? Now, I'm, I'm going I'm to, I want to help you with something. Look what it says. It says, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in your tongue breaks the spirit. Now, now hear this real carefully and real clearly. What are you saying about God? Uh, see, if there's perverseness in your thinking, I've got, I run into people all the time who are thoroughly convinced that God is continually angry at them. And that every time something happens, here's what comes out of their mouth inevitably. God, why are you doing this to me? What did I do? You must not like me. Kind of funny coming from a God who gave His only Son because He was so absolutely head over heels in love with His creation that He wanted to restore His creation to how He created it. Come on. But, see, and and then, and then, and then, and and I I, got to be careful here, but but here's the deal. Some people say, well, that's right. We need a positive confession. Just hang on a second. I'm going to help you theologically here for a minute. If you're sick, I don't care how many times you say you're not sick, you're sick. I love these people. Oh, don't ever, you know, and I've had people correct me. You've you got to be careful what you say. If you say something negative, I said, man, if the car runs over my foot, I'm going to tell you, that stinking car just ran over my foot and it hurts. That is the confession of my mouth. My foot hurts. It's not only confession in my mouth, but my foot is telling me I hurt. <laughs> but here's the deal. The other side of that is, is my hurt foot isn't bigger than the God who created me. And my hurt foot can be healed instantly by the God who is magnified in my heart. See, here's the problem. We, we focus so much on the circumstance that we begin to speak perversely about our circumstance or maybe if we speak less about the circumstances and more about the God who is high and lifted up, who is immense, who is huge, who created me in a word. When I begin to magnify Him, friends, my circumstance may not change, but I change. You know, go, go, to, go, to, go to verse 13 of Proverbs 15. It says, A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but by the sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. Again, this, this is a, a mind, will, and emotion thing. If you constantly generate, how you doing? Well, not very good. You ever been around somebody like that? It's like, you know, Eeyore goes to church. ER does church, you know. I know, well, I tell you, it's pretty bad. Well, is God good? I don't know, but it's pretty bad. You going to make it? I don't know, it's pretty bad. Shall we worship? I don't know. The music might be too loud. I don't know, I may not know the song. And you finally you begin to go, Okay, is there anybody in there? Because by then you realize you're dealing with demonic presence and multiple personalities and hairy things that are inside of there. And you go, anybody in there, can you rejoice in God, your Savior? I don't know. I don't think He likes me. 
That will break your spirit, friends. It will break your spirit. Now, this is going to sound very ungodly, but some of you not spiritual enough for you. But I'll tell you what, laughter is a good medicine. And sometimes, instead of mourning before the Lord, you just need to go. That's what's cracking me up at some of the moves of God I'm seeing across the planet right now. Is I, you know, I thought the days of the laughter thing, you know, it did its thing. It's showing up again. You know why? The church just gets so serious about itself that God says, let me heal your spirit. A merry heart, friends, is like a medicine. And if you don't get that merry heart in you, pretty soon you're going to have a broken down, sagging old spirit that doesn't believe God can do anything. And here's Mary. She's got all the facts in front of her. I'm going to have the Son of God. People are going to call me trash because they're going to say I'm pregnant out of wedlock. When I tell Joseph that, oh, by the way, I'm pregnant, you're not the dad, but God is, that's going to go over real big. That's going to be quite the discussion. Here I am. But you know what? I'm going to magnify you. I'm going to make you bigger than what you've just asked me to do. In fact, I'm going to say this to you. Be it unto me according to what you just said. Be it unto me according to your word. And I'm my soul, my mind's going to magnify you. You are God and there is no other. My will is going to magnify you. I choose the best because I'm choosing you. And my emotions are going to magnify you. In fact, it's going to get into my spirit and I'm going to start rejoicing. The Apostle Paul comes up and he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. What's happening when you magnify God? The only response that's coming out of your spirit is, Wow! This is incredible! I get to serve you. You get to live inside of me. This is a cool deal. My soul magnifies the Lord. I want to ask you this morning, what are you magnifying right now? What's bigger in your life than God? Where's Karen? Karen, you better get up here. Is she here? You better get to the piano and save these people. (laughs) How many of you hear what what we're saying today? How many of you, I want to encourage you this week. I want you to take this. This is your assignment. I believe in homework assignments. I want you to take Luke chapter 1 this week. I not only want you to read it, but I want some of you to get brave enough. You know, get you a waterproof Bible if you need to, because some of you sing in the shower. And get that thing in the shower. And I just want you to start singing, My soul doth magnify the Lord. And just sing that line over and over again. My soul magnifies the Lord. God, my head's going to magnify you right now. I might see the facts on paper, but I've read in Your Word that You're the God of the impossible. And I engage my mind right now. I Engage my will to believe your word. In fact, here's my choice. Be it unto me according to your word, not according to my circumstance. Be it unto me according to your word, not according to my finances. Be it unto me according to your word, not according to my health. I think the next wave that's coming to the church, the first thing I see God doing, God's going to start deliverance in His church. We're starting to see it in the in the switch kids in the south side. And, and we're starting to see God begin to bring deliverance. You know why? He's getting a generation ready to magnify Him. He's getting a generation ready. To, but it needs to start in all of the church. Some of you have been in the church for years. And you've magnified your church problems bigger than God. For crying out loud, he's the one that started the church. He's the one that's going to marry the church. I think he's bigger than the church. And you just need to start magnifying him. 
Man, I had a couple of things. Elizabeth and I had a couple of things. I'm not going to go into the personal bombs dropped on us this week. And my first, my first thought was, dear Jesus, you're starting a move and you're doing something in my heart. I don't know about the rest of the church, but all I know is there is a switch been turned on in me that I just, I, I'm a mess most of the time. I don't understand it. I'm embarrassed by it. But here's the deal. And then you drop these bombs on me and I'm thinking about this. I'm going, God, what's the deal? And that's when I started reading this. God, I'm going to make you bigger than what's coming at me. I'm going to make you bigger than any personal things. I'm going to make you bigger than the church. I'm going to make you bigger than the south side, bigger than the north side. I'm going to make you bigger. You know, we started praying last week. We're really asking God for God to supernaturally provide a home for our church on both sides of the river. And you know what? God's bigger than finances. He's bigger than money. He's a big, 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 big God. In fact, He's creating things right now as we speak. In the middle of His breaking bareness off of us, get ready because that's just the beginning. There is a promise that He's going to fulfill. Galatians 4 just begins to bubble up, you know, up in your heart that those things that were spoken, those promises were made, He's about to fulfill. I want you to stand this morning.